Welcome to this brand new episode of the Marketing Technology Podcast. This podcast is hosted by Mark van Horek and myself, Elias Krum, and brought to you by Marketing Guys, the MarTech agency based out of the Netherlands. Welcome to this new episode of the Marketing Technology Podcast, on which I today have James. James Shearer, he is the VP of Growth at Codeless, based out of the UK, but the Codeless is more international, I, th- I think, but I'll let that to James to explain that. So please introduce yourself in Codeless, James. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. Uh, my name is James Shear, as mentioned. I do, I'm VP of Growth at Codeless. Codeless is a content marketing agency. Um, we are fully remote. So we were started kind of by our, our founder back in 2016 um, in the US and then just hired kind of talent throughout the world. So we have 65, 75 uh, freelance writers at any given time, as well as you know full-time editors and, and, and account managers and SEOs and all the rest of it. Uh, we do kind of enterprise level, premium quality, um, long form blog content for um, some of the, you know, the big, biggest brands out there working for Codeless and ActiveCampaign, Chargeify, um, Robin Hood, uh, a number of other kind of like larger scale uh, businesses, as well as small businesses who are just getting started. Um, but yeah, our bread and butter is kind of that top tier, high quality content with a strategy behind it. Um, mm-hmm. And that's what we do. And that's kind of, I've helped businesses before my role, kind of VP of growth is more of an internal role. So it's kind of about um, how can I grow Codeless itself? For a long time, I was leading up the content strategy for all of our clients. Um, so yeah, that's kind of where my experience lies, what I'm enthusiastic about talking about. So hopefully we can have some fun today. Cool. Absolutely. Looking forward to it. The, um, the, the, the brands that you mentioned, um, and some of them are also available on your website, website, you share some, uh, case studies over there. I'll share the link to your website in the show notes, of course. Um, but uh, they are pretty amazing, I have to say. Um, brands like like Robinhood, but also Monday.com. Um, I, I noticed some case studies on Monday on, on your website. The thing I'm always intrigued about, and I think a lot of listeners also would like to know more about, is um, that high volume of quality content, because there is a lot of companies well, I think you know HubSpot started doing that in the inbound arena but there's all kinds of industries in which you can do that but how do you actually organize this let's say content machine yeah it's a fantastic question and it is kind of at the core of what we do I think um, the reason that we've been able to grow and scale as we have is that the processes we created to you know create content um, are central. Um, we use a project management tool for a long time. We were using, well, over the years, we've been using every kind of a lot of the project management tools. We're currently using a tool called ClickUp, which mm-hmm. basically just allows us to um, take a content plan, which is still done by and large within Google Sheets. Though a lot of our clients use a tool like Notion or some of the others out there as well, um, and take those topics once they've been approved by the client that we prepared and put them into our system, our processes, and assign them to the relevant, uh, you know, people who own each stage of the process. So from the account manager who puts it in to the writer who outlines the draft to the editor, editor who reviews the outline, back to the uh, client to review the outline as well before it goes to draft, and then back to the writer, um, and then again to the editor, and then that's the client, and all the account manager kind of managing it all. Um, so we have probably a seven or so stage production process and we have individual pipelines for each of our clients. 
And each of those pipelines also has, you know, um, the built-in checklists. So freelance writers, for instance, are completing uh, the required uh, checklists in order to create client-specific content. Mm -hmm. So um, things like, you know, some clients love M dashes, some clients love semicolons, and some clients really care about that. And uh, so we need to make sure that as, you know, as, as a premium level uh, company, we're adhering very specifically to our clients' brand guidelines. So kind of those project management tools enable businesses, any business, um, to put as much detail into the process as you need there to be. So whether that's as many stages as there are within your production process or within each stage, what is required to be, like what, what, what criteria are required to be met by your team, by your editors, by your writers, by your QA team, by your compliance team, by the, you know, it's, it's, um, there's, there's a lot to do to create really high quality content. Mm -hmm. uh, so that's kind of at the core of, of how we put, and then having that system in place allows us to scale. So when money.com came along in November of 2020, they said, we want to do 75 pieces um, in December. And we said, okay, so we need to go hire 20 writers and train them on your branding and get them up to speed on exactly our processes and what you're looking for. Uh, but having the existing kind of templated process and the production process that we already have for a lot of other clients, including Robin Hood, for whom we kind of built it the year before, um, we were able to slot those 20 new writers in alongside existing content writers. Uh, and yeah, we did 73 in that first month. Uh, and then we did 70 in the next month. And then over the course of the next nine, we did 825. So um, yeah, a lot of high volume content all put through on that same core set of uh, processes that, that allow us to do it all. So that's hundreds of pieces of content. It's 100 pieces of content, and over the course of their time with us, we've probably used about 40, 45 different writers. Wow. So looking from the investment angle, um, I've, I've dealt with a lot of customers that had to make that decision, right, to outsource content, to even invest in content. I can imagine that, let's say, pro producing hundreds of pieces of content requires quite an investment. How did how were KPI set in that, in that case? So how do you measure and aim for success? So the first KPI in content marketing has to be the quality of the content, which I know is kind of a weird answer. Um, but <clears throat> you can't anticipate performance of a content marketing strategy until you have existing a standard of quality. So, I mean, we could say that the KPI of content is, is, is rankings, and it is. But what are you going to measure for the first two months, three months, more for some of those really more highly competitive key phrases? So you set out kind of like tiered KPIs based on the stage of the strategy. So when we start with, a, with a, a, an early stage business, for instance, who has no existing domain authority, um, or in some cases, some, some of our clients don't have existing blogs. So they're, you know, they're, they're setting their, their CMS up, and then we're kind of hopefully coinciding with their first pieces of content to align with when that CMS goes live, but they have no domain authority. So in those circumstances, we say, okay, the KPI here is going to be creating, um, like let's check the pieces of content uh, and the indicator for our content performance is going to be that every single one of those meets or exceeds the target um, search like optimized score. And we use um, AI tools to check that mostly because it really helps us to tell our clients, listen, this isn't a, this is an optimized piece of content 
see here, I'm showing you that, you know, it's, it's, it's beating the target score. And tools like MarketMuse, ClearScope, Phrase, um, all, all, all will give you essentially a, a rating of how your content is performing against the, comp the competition. Uh, so saying, okay, that's the KPI. Every single piece of content that we've delivered um, for this first quarter uh, meets the content score it needs to meet. And then once that content's live and the, you know, the content pillars, the more competitive longer form pieces are being indexed and they're supported by your kind of secondary content that's like internally linked, linked to them. Um, then in the kind of third or fourth month, you can start expecting, okay, our KPI now is number of first page ranking positions for our, for the help for the content published. Um, and then perhaps it changes to, okay, now our KPR can, can be traffic alongside domain authority, perhaps. Like that could be a totally legitimate, you know, um, goal that, that businesses could set out, domain authority being, <clears throat> well, or domain ranking, depending on if you're using SEMrush or Ahrefs or Malls or whichever platform you're using. Um, domain kind of authority being a reflection of the total number of, of URLs that you have uh, ranking the top 100 search results, period, mm -hmm. and the number of referring domains you have and backlinks you have to your site. Um, basically just a, a reasonable um, amalgamation and snapshot of the health of your content. Um, mm -hmm. So I guess the answer is that the appropriate KPI differs based on what stage of the content you know, publication, what stage of your content strategy you're at. Uh, I definitely wouldn't say traffic should be your KPI for the first month because there's no point. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Okay, so you're you're mentioning um, a lot of importance here for uh, hiring the right um, copywriters, having a good process in place, that seven-stage production process that you have. But you're also mentioning some other, let's say, technical stuff like internal linking, domain ranking, uh, using the right keyword. So what's what's the role of tools and technology in this process? When you're trying to do it at scale, um, mm -hmm. it's it's everything. <laughs> I mean, again, I, I talked first about we use a project management tool to coordinate it. Um, we use tools like Notion or Google Sheets alongside Slack to communicate and lock down content plans with our clients. Um, and then once they say, yes, this is the quarterly content plan, these, these are the keywords we want to hit, this is the angle or the, the, the notes we want to make sure your writers are aware of, that all goes with, to the, to the um, project management tool. Mm -hmm. um, and we use a tool called Phrase, which is, I would say, for agencies, a really good one because you can throw a lot of those kind of um, uh, SEO reports to your freelancers uh, without incurring in uh, huge costs. If you're kind of more uh, internal teams, ClearScope or MarketMuse might be a better option because that's kind of more uh, holistic uh, analysis of, of your site and you can like check how you're doing, how you're using URLs performing, et cetera. Um, but so that's uh, the tool that the writers can use. We give them the option to use that to create content outline templates. Um, basically those tools will pull um, the top 20 search results for the target key phrase and say, okay, what are these URLs featuring? What uh, headers, subject matter, links, even images um, are within the existing ranking content? And then you can pull inspiration from that. Basically the idea being, I don't want to regurgitate content, but I do want to make sure that I'm covering this topic as comprehensively as Google is looking for me to cover it. Mm -hmm. um, so I, as a writer, and I've been a writer I, you know, I was a writer for years until about three or four years ago. Um, I don't know that I would necessarily do that because I do like to um, bring my own kind of 
subject matter expertise to the situation. But um, I would definitely check after I'd written my draft against those tools to make sure that I was adhering to and matching the SERP um, ranking content. Mm-hmm. But our writers can use those those outlines um, that, that, that those tools provide. And then they draft and then it goes back into those tools and it checks it against the competition for semantic key phrases and all the rest. Um, we also use a tool called writer.com, which allows us to check. Actually, we can create um, specific client, like client specific uh, brand guidelines in that tool um, that then when our writers drag their copy in or their drafts in, it can check against how professional, how casual um, uh, the, you know, the tone analysis. Hemingway app also we use for some of our, tool, for some of our clients, again, to check uh, the brand guidelines. And I guess what I'm saying is that all of these tools can be used just as well for an in-house internal team as they can be for an agency, because what we're doing is we're trying to take the uh, human element out of content quality analysis. Um, because ultimately Google is rewarding comprehensive, beautiful, um, like clean, highly educational content. Mm-hmm. Um, and the best way to do that is to align with what's already ranking. Cause you know, that's what, that's what Google's looking for. Uh, and then to make sure that you are aligning with your brand's, uh, tone of voice that you're looking for. A lot of our clients are are totally happy with cussing or very casual language in their content. Some of them absolutely do not want anything close to casual language in their content. Um, and then if, if you're using freelancers, or even if you're not using freelancers, a tool like Autocrit or um, uh, Reddit.com, again, can do plagiarism checks because you want to make sure that your writers aren't taking any content from anywhere else because that's a massive you know, no, no-no from SEO perspective. Absolutely, yeah. Uh, and then a tool like Grammarly, and I'll stop at some point. But like there, there are so many tools in our in our, our our pipelines that it's basically about how can we expedite the process and make sure that our writers adhere to a standard of quality. Um, and the easiest way to do that is to require them to check all their to check their content about against all of these tools. Um, to say clearly, yes, I have ticked this box and my content is free of grammatical errors. I've checked it in Grammarly. My content is free of plagiarism. I checked it in Autocrypt. My content aligns with the brand guidelines. I checked it in Writer's Guide. You know, oh, sorry, in, in, in Writer's Talk, in uh, Writer.com. Um, and for an agency, but I think also for in-house, that's, that's one of the easiest ways to do this rather than have your editors pour over the thing for three hours to make their own, you know, Someone, you know, maybe they're tired, maybe they're not very fond of this writer, maybe they uh, just happen to miss something because they're human. Uh, let's try to take that out of it so that we can be sure the quality of our content is as high as it possibly can be. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So that, that makes all a lot of sense. And I love it the way you, you explain it, how to take that human factor out. Um, the, the final question that I would have here is, um, because because I know a lot of marketers are looking to invest into content marketing, um, and internally they're they're often asked like if we're going to invest in content marketing, how fast can we see results? Can you share anything on that based on your experience? Is your hypothetical business starting from complete scratch, like starting from we don't have a CMS and our site just went live yesterday, or are they starting from they maybe they bought a new domain? Like what's what's the situation? Because it's going to I would say the second the second on. one, like like a new domain. Okay. Yep, a new domain. Yep. How how fast can we see results on let's let's say that's a that's a a new domain for a new product or a new campaign that we have? Okay, um, 
we have a client called Early Bird who is exactly what you're talking about. They are early stage. Uh, they have a financial um, gifting app. Uh, it's directed at parents to give to children um, money and, and families give money. Uh, it's a really cool platform. And they started uh, with us in November of 2020. And they had nil domain authority and were you know, installing their CMS during our sales call. They now have 25,000 monthly organic visitors to their blog. They have been publishing, they were publishing eight pieces of content for the first six months and then 10 pieces of content for the last nine or 10. Mm -hmm. A month they are you're also talking about, right? Eight yeah. to 10 content pieces per month, 2,000 okay. word or 1750 to 2,000 word scope mm -hmm. piece. They were also, and I think this is a major thing, also paying for, um, a backlink agency. So we work pretty closely with our sister company, Usurp, that does backlinking, uh, which is a core component of building momentum and domain authority, making sure that the top most competitive tar targeted key phrases that you're creating content for have backlinks from respectable publications. So I would say the two things, I think the, the, the core of, of their growth, and I would say that like over the course of a year, if you're working with a good agency and you have backlinking strategy, uh, zero to 25,000 is not atypical. I would say that that should be about what you should expect from um, if you're investing in it and you're, and the quality is good and the agency knows what they're doing, it should be about zero to 25,000 for sure. Um, the core of what they were doing and what my strategies tend to be with our clients is around categorization and then pillar to post structure. So for any readers out there who are looking to create a content plan um, right now, First, identify the three to five kind of categories of content that you want to be known for and be seen for. Um, within each category, then five and three to five content pillars, the really competitive um, pie in the sky type keywords that you want to create content and, and then rank for and be seen for. Um, so three to five categories, three to five pillars, and then 10 to 20 um, support pieces of content with lower volume and lower competitiveness, lower KD uh, to support, uh, sorry, within each category to support the pillars. So publish your pillars first, get them indexed and get them live and then support them with content throughout the month. You can publish around, I would say, give or take between six to 12 pieces of content any month, depending on your, on your bandwidth and what your resources are. Um, not a huge, I wouldn't say go less than six, uh, but early days, I'd, I'd be surprised if you, if you could do more than 12 with the quality they need to be. Um, but first, look at your uh, pillars up and then support them with um, with shorter form, perhaps uh, more uh, lower volume search terms. So alongside that, make sure that you are also engaging in some kind of backlinking strategy to drive referring domains to your site and specifically to your top most competitive your, um, uh, keywords, the content that you create for it. Uh, and that's kind of at the core of, of what we do and, and how it all works. There's a lot more in terms of like ensuring the quality of the content's amazing, ensuring that your page design is, is, is clean, the page experience is excellent and all the rest of it. But at the core of what we do is, is that pretty straightforward strategy. Cool. So that, those were some very useful tips, James. Uh, what I'll, I'll do is I'll share a link to your LinkedIn profile and a link to your website in the show notes so people can reach out to you should they have any any other questions and i'm looking forward to have you back on a future episode of the marketing technology podcast on which we 
might want to talk about backlinking because that's like a separate topic that that really is well takes a lot of time to discuss but i think it's worthwhile to have a chat about absolutely great and yeah it is correlated but first get some content live absolutely absolutely so <laughs> thank you james for being on the marketing technology podcast anytime that was fun thank you thanks for listening to this episode of the marketing technology podcast if you enjoyed this podcast please leave us a review on your favorite podcast platform or itunes also if you want to be a guest or know someone that should be a guest to our show shoot me an email on e.crum at marketingguys.nl thank you for listening